0: Welcome back to the Florida Travel Fanatics Podcast. I'm Clark. I'm Heather. Welcome to episode 20, how to enjoy golf in Florida, even if you're not a golfer.
1: In this episode of Florida Travel News, in our last episode, we talked about the sargassum seaweed blob. (laughs) Now it's dubbed the Great Atlantic Sargassum Belt. The seaweed issue is not new. It's been studied by oceanographers for 20 years through satellite images, and it's actually to to understand it completely it's actually a healthy grounds for microorganisms, for plants, for fish, for all these different things that are living in it. It's not a bad thing. It just happens to be very, very large. It covers about 5,000 square miles right now. And if you weighed it, it's about 8.7 tons of seaweed. Or they say it's enough to fill over 3,000 olympic size pools. So that's Really, really big. So the sargassum bloom is inc- expected to increase in size with the quantity likely peaking in June or July. And of course, you know, that's beach season. This year, the bloom is shaping up to be one of the largest ever recorded. Um, It's been since 2011, it's been a combination of human activity and climate change that's created a string of like unusually large seaweed blobs. Every year for the past five years, it's just set a new record for getting bigger and bigger. It comes from an area called the Sargassa Sea, in the Atlantic. And I never knew anything about this, but it drifts with currents. And it's sort of like a perfect storm of lots of different currents. And it all kind of pushes it all together. And then it the currents take it all over the place. So due to the ocean currents, it's pushing the blob mostly to the east coast of Florida. Personally, we've seen a fair bit of it over the past few trips we've made to Miami, Miami Beach. It's a little bit annoying when the it's in the water around you, and there's a lot on the beach, but we've never really noticed a bad smell. I mean, that's what happens when it comes to shore. It washes up on the shore, basically turns into comp- compost mm-hmm. and starts to break down and it sends off gases and it's kind of smelly, but it's not toxic. And that's important to know. Yeah,
0: the scientists say this is the new normal for now. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a combination of fertilizers and temperature change and climate change, to Heather's point. Um, th- it's interesting reading the article, having seen some of this personally, because we're down to Miami Beach a couple times a year. There's a lot of seaweed on there, but I've never sm- once felt like, oh, it smells bad. It's kind of annoying to step over it in the water. It's whatever. But it's, you're still at a beautiful beach. Miami Beach is working on getting a lot of it cleaned up, but it comes in faster than they can get it out.
1: Yeah, and they you know, it means that they have to take bulldozers down there and pick it up and dump it off and it's a lot of extra work. It it will go away some of it washes back out to sea. It's kind of a weird phenomena, it's but big, it's actually a natural would, phenomena, yeah, so you can't really would. complain about the world and nature doing its thing. The Wander Wisdom Traveler blog issues an important warning for anyone visiting Disney right now. For most visitors, a trip to Disney World is expensive, requires a lot of advanced planning, and the last thing you want is something to ruin your trip. So, if you're visiting Disney right now, be aware that there is a norovirus spreading through Disney and the city of Orlando. A few things kill a good time faster and uglier than a nasty stomach virus. This is not the kind of souvenir you want to bring back from your Disney trip. So if you're headed to Orlando, be vigilant about, you know, social distancing. We've all gotten a little bit relaxed after COVID for, you know, hand sanitizer, just touching- Hand washing. Hand washing, touching, you know, you're going to be touching a lot of railings and uh, park benches and blah, blah, blah. A lot of stuff. I mean, you can get- this stuff on a shopping cart handle. So we still need to be vigilant about that because that's definitely not what you would like to bring back from Disney. So make sure you load up on your hand sanitizer as well as your sunscreen. The 2023 Florida edition of the Michelin guide, which is a directory of the state's top restaurants is now going to include three Tampa based restaurants when it's officially released on May 11th, eight Miami restaurants and eight Orlando restaurants were also named to the 2023 guide for Florida, and they've been added as recommended restaurants. They haven't received a Michelin star yet, or they're not even listed as the Bib Gourmand, which is sort of the honorable mention, but it's certainly possible in the future. According to the news release, lilac, ponte, and noble rice are the new additions, Lilac can be fi- found inside Edition, which is a luxury hotel that's part of a $3 billion 50-acre Water Street Tampa neighborhood. And it f- features a contemporary four-course prefix menu with a Mediterranean influence. So it's got a lot of Florida-based ingredients, French techniques. It also does a lot of really amazing table-side service. And um, they have a champagne cocktail cart. Mm. So win-win. Yeah. Ponte is one of the latest concepts from a well-known Tampa Bay chef, Chris Ponte. It's part of a midtown Tampa mixed-use development. It's kind of a vibey, not South Tampa thing, not... Yeah, there's some
0: big companies that, moved big the, companies that have moved into the Big companies that have moved in it's there. Kind of
1: it's a, really kind of an up-and-coming little that's area. RAI
0: is mm-hmm. and Shake Shack. Yeah, it's a cool area. A lot
1: of apartment buildings. It's kind of a little town center that they've created. Its menu features an entire selection devoted to steaks with different sauces, toppers, and butters... As well as a mix of classic cocktails along with more modern versions of of the classic. So I mean, that's like right up my alley. I can't yeah. wait to head in there and, and uh have a good steak. And then maybe we'll have we'll go to Lilac after and have some mm-hmm. champagne. <laughs> the next one is Noble Rice, and it's located on Channel Side Drive in the Sparkman Wharf Dining and Entertainment District. We've talked about Sparkman Wharf and the diversity of the food that you can get down there and the environment. It's near the Uh, cruise port. It's just a really fun place. This is a minimalist Japanese restaurant and their dishes include salmon nigiri that is sourced from New Zealand, toro rolls with fatty spicy tuna. I'm super excited about all of these new ones and um, finding out that they're in the Michelin guide is fantastic. It's fantastic for them. It's fantastic for Tampa and the whole dining scene here. A recent press release said that, they, that we are eager to share the 2023 edition of the Michelin Guide in Miami, Orlando, and Tampa. Florida's finest flavors continue to impress their inspectors who have enjoyed their visits to the Sunshine State. The restaurant teams are clearly inspired to serve the most delectable cuisine to food lovers day in and day out. And we are excited to celebrate their accomplishments and can't wait to share those new discoveries with the gourmets and travelers. So the inspectors come in and you don't know they're coming in. That's the whole idea of the Michelin Guide. It's sort of a surprise. Mystery eater. Mystery eater mystery kind shopper. of thing, which mm-hmm. I would love to be a mystery shopper for Michelin Guide. I think yeah, that'd be super fun. see if they're
0: hiring. Whether you'd be good at that. Yeah. The city of Miami Beach is done with spring break in more ways than one. Uh, This year's Miami Beach spring break was another disaster. We talked about that in the last couple podcasts. They spent about $3 million on public events to try to create alternatives to try to control the crowds. They had a movie screening, concerts, fitness classes. Most of the visitors ignored that and just went out to Ocean Drive to drink and party instead. Miami Beach officials recently voted to support a curfew and a secured perimeter around Ocean Drive and a rollback of alcohol sales during next year's peak of spring break in 2024. That comes on the heels of a month that saw big crowds and two deadly shootings. And a similar thing happened last year and the year before. Multiple city commissioners said they want draconian measures to prevent spring break crowds from visiting and congregating in South Beach. Spring break as we know it is over, said the Vice Mayor, Stephen Miner. Completely over. We're done with it. City Commissioner Alex Fernandez said, The message has to be resoundingly clear. Miami Beach is shutting down spring break. And in this episode's Florida travel tips, the Top Golf Stadium Series comes to Tampa at Raymond James Stadium, where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play their football games. Uh, it'll be there for four days in early May. Uh, basically, they set up a Top Golf range on the football field with multiple hitting stations high up in the stadium. I think that's so cool. That's got to be per- a neat experience, uh, especially if you're if you've been to Top Golf before. You understand what that means. If you're a golfer and familiar with it with it, you'll enjoy it for sure. If you're looking to do something special for someone's birthday, graduation, or looking for a good Team building or business event? Check this out. Um, It's only sixty dollars per person for a bay hitting bay for one hour, or one hundred and sixty-five dollars for the hitting of golf balls, and an experience ticket that includes a tour of the locker room and the famous Buccaneer pirate ship in the stadium. Um, And if you're not familiar with Top Golf, we'll be talking about that later in this episode.
1: I guess it's the only time you want to be up in the nosebleeds.
0: Yes, the higher up, the better when you're hitting golf balls. Higher up, yeah. Get a extra distance out of that too.
1: Exactly. The Plant City Planes, Trains, and Automobiles event is back on Saturday, April 22nd. It's located at the Plant City Airport just a few minutes east of Tampa, and the event is put on by Tampa Bay Aviation Association. Their website describes Planes, Trains, and Automobiles as a beloved one-day community event featuring a wide variety of activities geared towards families each year at the Plant City Airport. The featured highlights will be numerous aircrafts on display, a car show, an operating model train layout, first responder vehicles and personnel along with train safety vehicles and equipment will be also in the lineup. There are going to be lots of hands-on stations for kids, including STEM education exhibits, flight simulators uh, from the Aerospace Center for Excellence, Young Eagle Discovery Flights, will be conducted by the local Experimental Aircraft Association chapter, Scout Merit Badge opportunities, a Pinewood Derby, and lots of other activities. Younger children will enjoy inflatable bounce houses and flying through the air and other fun adventures just for them. They'll have food trucks too. I think the best part of this is the tickets are $7 online and $10 at the door, and there's free parking.
0: You know, we, we like this too, because our, one of our favorite movies is our whole family movie. The whole family loves watching planes, trains, and automobiles at Thanksgiving every year. Uh, But they, the title that obviously is based on the movie, which, which is fun. This is definitely a great family event for Mm -hmm. kids, especially they're just going to get a lot of exposure to some neat things. And this is all done by the aviation association, which includes the, the Tampa uh, airport. And that's in Hillsborough County, part of the greater Tampa, you know, airport authority.
1: The Pier 60 Sugar Sand Festival on Clearwater Beach is going on now and will continue through April 24th. This festival draws thousands of visitors to see the works of 14 of the world's top sand sculptors. I didn't even know that there were actual official-
0: Ratings for sand sculptors? Ratings for sand
1: sculptors. But if you've ever been to Clearwater Beach or any of these gulf beaches, the sand is literally like sugar. And so there's all the techniques that it takes to carve these larger than life- well, this year it's going to be animals. So all of the animals you'll see, uh, I've listed bears, penguins, dragons, owls, all of this. And it's not just your average build a sandcastle with a bucket. These guys are literally sculpting out of sand. So the texture of the sand has to be perfect. The, the moisture. The moisture in the sand. So they've got, they're doing that. There's 20,000 square feet of
0: Tent space, right?
1: Tent sp- I believe it's tent space. It didn't specify, so but all the pictures I've it seen, out, right? it doesn't wash it away. Yeah. But not only that, you can take sand sculpting classes. There are carnival rides. There's a giant sandbox where kids can make their own sandcastles. There's going to be a variety of food and drink, concerts, crafts. General admission is $12. Three and under is free. This year, it's a completely cash-free event, and they accept all major credit cards, Google Pay, and Apple Pay. There are also discount tickets for first responders and military personnel. And at the end of the evening, I believe it's Saturdays, there are fireworks.
0: Moving on to our main topic, let's talk about how to enjoy golf in Florida, even if you're not a golfer. We promised you non-golfers. We'd have some fun things on here. Let's face it. Golf is a difficult game. For those of you that are golfers, you already know that. Um, Heather and I are both golfers, and we like the challenge of it, even though we're not both not very good golfers. Uh, we do watch a lot of professional golf on TV. We just watch the Masters Tournament over the weekend. And you see the top players in the world struggle with sometimes with the basics it of the It makes me feel better. Yeah, it's like they make $10 million a year, and they sometimes hit the ball almost as badly as I do. Uh, they hit the balls out of bounds. They hit the ball in the water. They miss easy putts. Uh, golf is just a challenging game for a sport where the ball's standing still. Uh, a lot of people don't like their struggle and don't play it, and we totally get that. But we've got three activities for you that are golf-related in Florida that don't require you to go out on a big golf course and feel frustrated and feel like you can't even play the game uh, the first one is top golf top golf is a brilliant concept um, some of you have likely heard about it or tried it especially if you are a golfer basically they took a golf driving range and merged it with a bowling alley um, a top golf facility is a multi-level concept complex with dozens of hitting areas where you can try hitting a golf ball into a large area surrounded by nets for safety and you can hit anywhere from 40 to 50 yards or up to the full length of the range 230 I think yards is I think the far net. Uh, you can be terrible at it. The best part, you can just be absolutely terrible at golf and still laugh and have fun with your family and Because
1: friends. you can eat and drink there, too.
0: Right. They've got food drinks. Uh, whether you're a terrible <laughs> or a good golfer, it's still fun. Just like bowling, we're terrible at bowling, but we still go- enjoy going and just playing and goofing around and hoping we get a strike and hoping not to roll a gutter ball. So, I mean, we're happy to be- we're happy to break 100 when we're, when we're bowling or get a strike. Uh, and the hitting stalls or what they call the hitting bays are just like a lane in a bowling alley. Um, you have a U shaped area for your group of up to six people to sit and watch others in your group hit balls, just like bowling. Uh, there are multiple holes down in the range, which are like sort of like greens on a golf course. And um, there's a computer in the bay that uh, lets you enter people's names, and when you hit a ball, uh, there's multiple types of games to try and play. The, those holes sense your ball. There's like a chip in your ball that, that you can keep track of your score and how you're doing. Uh, they have servers that come over to your bay, and they'll take orders for food and drinks. And the food is really good. We've been to several Top golfs, and it's just uh, nice servers, and food and drink is really well done. They're located all over the country. There's actually 100 now worldwide. You may have seen one from a major interstate and not known what it was. Um, if you're driving down the highway and you see a bunch of really tall poles arranged in an oval and covered with a net. That's almost certainly a top golf facility. The beauty of it is that it works well for all ages and all groups family outings, corporate outings, bachelor or bachelorette parties, birthday parties. Uh, they have large meeting rooms for various types of events, especially corporate events. Um, I've been to many work events at different top golf facilities. Uh, it's a really popular place. The hitting bays are also covered, they have a roof over them, which means it's a great rainy day event and also keeps you out of the sun. It is very reasonably priced for what you get. Uh, you rent the bay by the hour, and each bay can have up to six people. So you rent the bay of six people, there's a fixed cost. It's anywhere from $32 per hour or up to $59 per hour during prime time. Uh, be aware there is a $5 membership required for new players uh, for lifetime membership, even for kids the first time. It's very popular, and even with over 100 bays at most location. Locations it can book completely up, especially nights and weekends. The good news is that Tuesday is a slow day there. That's their half price day, so that's the cheapest day of the week. If you go before noon on Tuesday, you can have a bay for as little as fifteen dollars an hour for a group of up to six people. And if you're trying to maximize your vacation spend, uh, that's the way to. That's a great way to do it. If you know you're going to go, definitely book ahead, uh, and and don't be afraid to go on a hot summer day. The bays are covered, keep you out of the rain and the sun, and there's a large indoor bar and restaurant. Inside, that's air-conditioned, so you can go in there and get away from the heat. There's currently seven Topgolf locations in Florida, including Jacksonville, Orlando, Lake Mary, which is northeast of Orlando on the way towards Daytona, Fort Myers, two in Miami, which is Doral and Miami Gardens, and one in Tampa. Since we live in Tampa, that's the one we usually go to. Note that for, the, for you cigar smokers, there's a Cigar International store and lounge next to Topgolf Tampa, so if you'd like to have a cigar with family or friends before or after Golf, it's a great spot for that. There is an eighth location under construction in St. Pete, and there is a ninth location under construction in Pompano Beach, which is on the lower east coast between Fort Lauderdale and Boca Raton. Pompano is likely to be open by the end of 2023, and there's no opening date yet for St. Pete, but it's probably early 2024. For those of you on the Florida panhandle, there's a new Top Golf being being built in Mobile, Alabama, just across the Florida Alabama state line. That's also scheduled to open in 2023. And that's about an hour's drive from Pensacola, so that's not too far away. I mean, ours is 30 minutes from our house from where we live. So not not too bad of a drive. Oh, just for fun, for those of you entrepreneurs out there thinking, oh, maybe I should look into a Top Golf franchise, the startup cost is somewhere between a cool 10 million and $50 million to open a Top Golf because they are. It's a big, massive facility. It's a cool place.
1: Wow. There's a new competitor to Top Golf called Drive Shack, which is very similar. There are only four in the entire country so far, and two are in Florida, Orlando, and West Palm Beach. I've had some tell me that Topgolf is just a little bit better. And in a blog post, they compared the two and said that Topgolf... Computers are a little bit more kid-friendly. Drive Shack prices are similar to Topgolf. Their half-price day is Wednesday. We haven't actually been to a Drive Shack yet, but wouldn't hesitate to go to any of them based on the research. Both Topgolf and Drive Shack have clubs in each bay that you can use, but you're welcome to bring your own golf clubs if you have them. That's usually what we do because it's a great way to practice. They also have left-handed clubs and small clubs for kids as well. Here's an Orlando tip. Golf is closer to Disney, while Drive Shack is closer to the airport and the East Coast. So if you're in Orlando for a Disney or Universal trip, and you're looking for a different activity for a day, especially one of the days that they're reduced, definitely try Top Golf. If you're staying closer to the Orlando airport, or you're on and off a cruise from Port Canaveral and flying in and out of Orlando, you have some time to kill, definitely go to Drive Shack. If you try to book Topgolf near Disney and it's full, see if you can make a reservation at Drive Shack. And if you don't mind a 30-minute drive, you know, it's pretty much the same deal. Topgolf is much better known than Drive Shack, which will likely mean that you'll be able to book a slot at Drive Shack when needed. The second activity for non-golfers is a really new concept from Tiger Woods called Pop Stroke. It's effectively an upscale mini-golf or putt-putt course. When I say upscale, it's upscale. It's nice, yeah. This is a brand new concept just launched by Tiger's company, and practically no one's heard of it yet. Tiger is quoted as saying, some of my best and happiest memories are spending time with my pops on the golf course, having putting contests. I'm looking forward to others enjoying time with their kids at Popstroke. In the past most people think of putt putt or mini golf as a kids game with cheesy obstacles on the course like windmills and dragons. Well, it's certainly a great way to entertain kids on the summer or on vacation. Panama City actually is loaded with mini golf spots. It's never I don't know that it's never really appealed to to adults until now. We've just visited the brand new PopStroke here in Tampa and we were really impressed. There are 36 holes to play and it looks like a real golf course. It's miniature but it looks like a real golf course. They have um, rough wood and lots of undulations. I love the word undulations; just mm-hmm. a good
0: word. Very technical.
1: They have uh, lots of undulations on the fairway and greens, and they even have bunkers uh, or sand traps. And they're made of white astroturf, so when you look out over it, it looks like it sand. totally looks like white. Clearwater Beach, sugar right. sand. It's it's, and it's, it's terrific. Yeah. I, we didn't
0: even know they made white AstroTurf.
1: Right. The course is really beautiful with palm trees, lots of vegetation. And I think as those palm trees grow, it's going to provide a little bit more shade for, for the course itself. There's a restaurant, two bars, and lots of other activities like cornhole, ping pong, foosball. And there's also a playground for uh, smaller kids. It's $30 to play all day long, which is... I think really good. Mm-hmm. That's a dollar less than a dollar a hole <laughs> if you play the whole thing. Um so it's 36 holes again and uh I think that's a pretty fair yeah. price. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We tried the food. It's pretty good. We really like their burger. For the most part, it's you know, it's good bar food which you'd expect from a place like this, but there's a little bit of a upscale kind of feeling. A lot of the things are made in house and pretty delicious actually. Yeah,
0: their burger, they had a custom uh, meat plant in the patty. It was really really uh, uh, very nice burger. The fries weren't so hot, but the burger was good.
1: The fries weren't so hot twice. Twice. <laughs> but that's okay. Next time, I Next think time, we'll... Yeah. Not, maybe not, not or the fries or... You know, they're in kind of a little bit of a soft opening here. Yeah, they are. So, you they know, had a sign
0: to... that said they weren't even doing any group activities yet because they're still getting the staff trained. Yeah, so, so you yeah, have to be patient, be patient with
1: patiently. that. There's also a bar out in the middle of the course, and they have an app where you can order food and drinks and have it brought out to you on the course when you're playing. So, I mean... What's not to like? I think that's amazing. In Florida, they have locations in Fort Myers, Sarasota, Port St. Lucie, Orlando, and Tampa. A word of advice about the Tampa location, there's a major shopping outlet across the street just in case mom wants to shop while dad goes to pop stroke with the kids. So pop stroke is something we definitely recommend.
0: Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of marital and family happiness there. Mom goes shopping and dad takes or maybe kids dad goes
1: shopping and mom wants to go to golf.
0: Maybe maybe mom's the golfer in the family. Yeah. But uh, exactly. it's a great area. And that is, that area is right by 75. If you're coming down for a hockey tournament, it's about one mile from the big hockey arena. So if you're looking for an alternative, when you're down for a hockey thing with kids, it's a good spot. It's
1: one thing by. too, um, I'd like to mention is we mentioned the playground, which I think is phenomenal. So if you have a child that doesn't, really do golf there's a a great playground and it didn't seem when we walked out on when we got onto the course there wasn't anyone stopping you from getting onto the course so i don't think that as a family someone could come out and look and see it and then go back and go to the playground it doesn't seem to be too confining for you know do not cross this yeah it's like an open golf
0: course it's It's like like yeah exactly it's like an
1: open golf course it's great
0: the third activity for non-golfers is a new concept called Putt Shack. It's described as a tech-infused indoor mini-golf with a party theme with unusual lighting and gameplay, including a beer pong hole where you try to put your ball into a bunch of cups. It looks like a beer pong game. Uh, the course is really interesting what they built out with patented technology where you actually have to make decisions on difficult shots, take risks, and possibly lose points if you make a poor choice or hit the ball poorly. Uh, kids can enjoy playing during the day, but it's adults only after 8 p.m. They charge $12 for a nine-hole game, which takes about 30 minutes. Definitely book this in advance on their website. It looks like it's pretty popular. There's currently only one location in Florida. and That's in Miami, in Brickle. It's not brickel, Br- it's brickle, uh, But there's one being planned in, in Dania Beach opening in 2025. That's going to be very close to the Fort Lauderdale Airport and not far from Port Everglades. So again, if you're coming in 2025, you're coming in or out from a cruise. That could be a great way to kill some time coming or going or do something fun. Uh, they have craft cocktails and a menu that looks really, really good. They've got some really cool like gourmet street food kind of things on their food menu. We can't wait to try this the next time we're in Miami. Since we just covered the non-golf activities, let's move on to talking about actually playing golf on golf courses. It's no secret that Florida is a major golf destination. There are actually 1,100 golf courses in Florida. If you wow. can believe that, uh, that shocked me. I was when I was doing research for the podcast, this episode. I'm thinking oh, it was five, six hundred. Well, you maybe. asked
1: me, and I said. 500?
0: 500, yeah. 1100 golf courses. They're spread all over the state evenly in every county and every area. Um, you can find good golf courses anywhere in the state from expensive luxury resorts with $600 green, $600 green fees like sawgrass to an $18 executive course that's perfect for beginners. Our favorite, the Grove, just north of Tampa. Golf in Florida began in 1886 on Main Street in Sarasota with a small practice course that was built by a Scotsman named Colonel John Hamilton Gillespie, who came to the U.S. to oversee his father's investment business. Described as Sarasota's number one citizen for three decades. That's interesting, number one citizen. Uh, He was very influential in getting many courses built uh, starting in the 1890s, uh, which was the same time courses were beginning to be built across the country in New York, Illinois, West Virginia. That was really the golf boom uh, that started, and golf's been thriving ever since. He was an avid golfer and was actually a member of St. Andrews back in Scotland, which is prestigious then and even more prestigious now. The colonel, as he was called, uh, approached Henry Plant, the railroad tycoon that built the railroad on the west side of Florida, with the idea idea of building golf courses to help promote tourism in the state, especially along his rail lines. Plant actually hired the colonel to design and build golf courses for his investment company in Winter Haven, Kissimmee, Tampa, Bel Air, and actually in Havana, Cuba. At the same time, on the east coast of Florida, Henry Flagler was building the railroads on the east coast and also embracing golf courses as he built resorts near his rail lines. Today, Florida's oldest existing golf courses are from the Plant and Flagler era. Both the West Coast, uh, the Bel Air Country Club, and the Gulf of Mexico, and the Ocean Course on the Breakers in Palm Beach can trace their first golf holes back to 1897. In the U.S. in the early 1900s, there were courses built all over the country, and this era is often referred to as the golden age of golf course construction. Florida was no exception, with dozens of courses being built around the state. Today, many of those courses are part of what we now call the Florida Golf Heritage Trail. The trail is a group of 50 courses that were all built before 1946 and open to the public. There's a webpage and a 75-page PDF available that covers the history of the golf courses and has details on all 50 courses. And of course, I'll put a link in the episode notes.
1: You want to do the golf trail, and we'll combine it with the chocolate trail. There we go. Perfect. More trails,
0: more trails. If you're looking for the best courses in Florida, Golf Digest Magazine published a list of the top 75 uh, courses in Florida. It was published in 2015, but still really accurate, and I'll put the link to that in the episode notes. Uh, Visit Florida.com also has a great landing page for Florida golf. And if you're looking for the best resource... Place to look for places to play and read reviews. Golfnow.com is by far the best source out there. Uh, some of you may be golfnow.com members, but that's definitely the best place to look is for courses. Is that the one where
1: you can book your tea time online you to can. like all the others? Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: It, it, you pick an area like, okay, we're in Tampa or we're in Kissimmee or we're in the Everglades. You'll show It'll
1: you. Tell you what's available And there's usually, you goes. put a
0: city name, there's usually like 20 courses. And uh, the reviews apparently are very accurate. So if some, some courses are meh. Some are you know, better than others, and you can kind of read. and see the pricing and all that's so definitely the best way. Golf Now has some benefits, too, if you book with them fairly regularly. But there's nothing – and that's true nationwide, not just Florida. But Golf Now is the best place to look for, hey, I want to go play go play golf. Some of the best-known courses in the state include Innisbrook and Palm Harbor near Tampa, home of the famous Snake Pit, and home of the annual Valspar PGA Tour golf tournament. Um, one of my daughters and I were just there for the Valspar a few weeks ago. Uh, the winner was only 10 under par – uh, for the whole tournament, uh, Taylor Moore, which goes to show how difficult the course is. There's some controversy about the courses being too easy and a 10 underscore for a four-day tournament for the winner. who's only one in double digits. That goes to show how difficult the course truly was. Another well-known course is the one we talked about, the Breakers in Palm Beach, one of the first courses built. Today, it's a super luxurious resort that's very well known in that area. I uh, had a business dinner there a few years ago that was just amazing. It's an expensive place, but a beautiful place. In Miami, Coral Gables is the Biltmore Golf Course, part of the luxurious Biltmore Resort Hotel. I was there for a business meeting there as well, and that's also a beautiful old hotel, beautiful property. It's in Coral Gables, which is one of the nicest areas in Miami with a lot of excellent restaurants and also the home of the University of Miami stream song is a course I probably hear about more than any other it's located in Bowling Green Florida 90 miles southeast of the Tampa airport and two hours from the Orlando Airport it's a resort built on an old phosphate mine uh, which is it would which provides really unusual terrain for a Florida course mostly because of the digging they do when they mine it and due to the amount of sand they have to push around uh, to get to the phosphate so they've ended up with these beautiful sand mounds. that's not even what you would normally see in Florida it's a be- really beautiful course uh, there's three courses there Green. Fees are not cheap. They start ranging from one hundred and twenty nine dollars off season to almost four hundred dollars in season. It is an absolutely beautiful resort that has sporting clays, a spa, and guided bass fishing.
1: Now since it's a phosphate mine, is that does that um leave the water the the water features in that greeny
0: good question. Uh, I know they probably filled a lot of the dirt in to to smooth the sand to smooth a lot of it out, but the dunes are apparently the thing that makes it the white spectacular. sand, are beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. It looks like something you'd see in Europe. It doesn't even look like you're in. Oh, you're interesting. In Florida. I was yeah. expecting
1: that um that blue green clear water. There may
0: be from the you're thinking limestone. That's the limestone quarries, not the phosphate rock. Oh, geez. Yeah, another. No, yeah, that's the thing. To Heather's point is that all the the in Florida they they surface mine for phosphates and for limestone, and they they either have to be put back to the original condition when they are finished with it. This this was a forty year process when they mined out this particular area, or they turn it into a recreational area. That's
1: right, because the mountain bike is phosphate. Yeah. the water sports are limestone. limestone
0: yeah the limestone we'll we'll cover this another episode but the limestone ones are like the uh, sunwest park up in north pasco county's just been just some aqua the, color completely beautiful water because it's all limestone underneath it but yeah that's a thing in florida
1: if you're familiar with world woods golf course on the nature coast in brooksville it's recently been purchased by another company and they've completely renovated it and will reopen in late 2023 With its 36-hole renovation, a new 21-hole short course, a new clubhouse, and apparently it retains the very well-known practice facility, including a two-acre practice putting green. The company that purchased it is Cabot, and they'll be calling the resort Cabot Cabot Citrus Farms, and they'll actually have a farm and a farmer's market on property, and apparently they've worked really hard to make the feel of the resort fit with rustic rural qualities of the nature Coast. Um, We're on their mailing list, their email list, and we'll keep you posted as to when their reopening is. Both Streamsong and Cabot Citrus Farms have amazing pictures and videos on their websites, and I'll put those links in the episode notes. So take a look at them. It's a really beautiful golf course.
0: The favorite course I've played so far in the area, or in Florida, has been TPC Tampa. That's a terrific layout, and they have an amazing chef in their clubhouse, believe it or not. Uh, back in the 90s, they held a Champions Tour event. They called it the Senior Tour back then. We lived near there and we had gone over there sometimes just to have dinner. The food is so good. Uh, they just renovated all the grass on, on the greens and fairways, and of course, they raised the prices. Greens fees start from $80 for summer twilight rates to $235 on the weekends during primetime. Uh, TPC stands for the Tournament Players Course. of which there are many found all over the country, and there are six in Florida. Three are open to the public, including TPC Tampa, TPC Blue Monster at Doral, and TPC Sawgrass, home of the Players' Championship and the home of the PGA Tour. The other three are private, and that includes TPC Treviso Bay in Naples, tpc this is a tongue twister heather tpc prestancia in sarasota and tpc eagle trace and coral Spring, uh, coral springs um, eagle trace was actually the home of the honda classic pga tour event for nine years which is a testimony to the quality and difficulty of the course
1: if you're new to golf and looking for a course that's shorter and easier to play look for what's called an executive course they're shorter they're great for beginners but they can also have some challenging shots for the better golfers and Florida has plenty of par-3 courses as well, where all the holes are par-3. I found a website with a very comprehensive list of executive and par-3 courses, and we'll put that in the notes. There's an executive course that we like in Land Lakes, just north of Tampa, and it's called the Groves. It's open to the public, and we recently played 18 holes for $18, and that included the um, cart. So you can't really get much better than that. The course is really well maintained. We've taken family and friends to play there several times and everybody really likes it. Even the guys who are even family members that are really, really good players or I'm not really a great player. I'm like a double bogey golfer Mm -hmm. Um, and I can still have fun. I can still have successful shots and then people who are really good golfers still find it to be. Um, challenging enough. You know,
0: my brother's about a 12 handicap right now. He's quite a bit better than I am and he liked it. And he felt like there was some good challenge to it. Uh, just a short course, but some challenging shots where you can stretch it out and try to do what do what fits with your, uh, your style of golf.
1: And especially too, with the, um, the evenings in the summertime, you can go after work and you still have a couple of hours to play. You know, even if, even if you can only play 11 holes or 15 holes before it gets dark you've only paid $18 for it. So it's a it's a pretty good date night. If you're coming down to Florida to play golf, keep in mind that the winter is the high season with the nicest weather. So that's going to be the most crowded and most expensive. The summer is the low season with the courses mostly empty. The greens fees are at their lowest. The heat, humidity, and rain can be challenging though. So... You know, keep that in mind. You may not get 18 holes in if you're playing in the afternoon because that's seasonably when we get a rain rain shower. Or, I mean, you can play in the rain, but really be cautious with, you know, lightning, you know, that kind of thing. You got to be cautious.
0: We and I were playing at the groves one night and we got eighth hole we got just pounded by rain so we're driving our golf cart through this pouring rainstorm no lightning so we were just laughing our heads off because we were just getting soaking wet but we got seven holes in and had a drink or two we had a good time
1: yeah i'd say that july and august are really no hotter or more humid than most of the eastern united states but um in tampa it's really never been over 100 degrees Registered. I mean, it might feel like higher, but it's, it's actually it's never hit higher than um, 100 degrees. When we lived in Maryland, we'd go out and play nine holes after work in the summer, and it was just as hot and humid as it is in Florida. But most of the um, golf courses, including the Grove, have a great little clubhouse afterwards that you can get cooled off, get a drink, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah, they,
0: we had some dinner there, too, one night with some friends. It wasn't wasn't too bad, but uh, that's one of our favorite spots. If you're coming to play golf in the summer, keep in mind the courses can be really soggy due to the amount of summer rain we get here. Um, I'd recommend bringing a pair of golf shoes with some decent-sized spikes on them to make sure you have good footing. I have two pairs of the nubby spike shoes I wear all winter when it's dry, but I have two pair of foot joys that have the longer plastic cleats, and that really helps keep my feet from slipping in the soggy summer conditions. Uh, I sometimes also switch to a new glove halfway through because my my golf glove gets just sweat saturated. Uh, But the summer soggy conditions, you can be in the middle of a fairway, walk into your ball and you're walking through squishy and squishy and uh, you can have a little trouble getting good grip to hit a good shot. So definitely consider bringing a shoe with with cleats on it.
1: I don't really think about the cleats on the bottom. I think about what color shoe I'm wearing. I have three pair. One's pink, one's white, and one's black patent leather. And yeah. I wear black patent leather in the mud and uh, I don't want my pink ones to get too dirty. So yeah, the
0: patent know. leather, those are cool, cool. You can just wipe those down.
1: You know, fashion over function. Yeah, definitely. I'll take 100%. it. 100%. Here's another tip. Because the summer's the slow season, a lot of the courses do their annual maintenance, which includes aeration and overseeding. And when they aerate the greens, it makes putting really suck.
0: Yeah, no fun.
1: When you book your tee time, I'd recommend calling the pro shop and ask what the course conditions are like and if they're doing any maintenance on the course when you're going to be there. You know, aeration actually takes little plugs of dirt out and allows the things. So it's just like really like cluttered trying to putt with a green full of lego
0: yeah clumps yeah i've had that happen where i've gone to a course and i'm like oh they did maintenance the the greens have been aerated you just okay i'm already here i'm going to play but if if you can call ahead you can avoid that especially if you're trying to have a great outing on a vacation or something you don't want to go to a course that's been aerated right
1: if you're coming to florida in the spring keep in mind that the pga tour has four tournaments in florida every year and that's referred to as the florida swing They're held in Jacksonville, Tampa, Orlando, and Palm Beach. And we talked about that in detail in our episode number 14 called How to Plan a Florida Road Trip, which, by the way, has been our most popular podcast so far.
0: As usual, details will be in the episode description. Check us out on our YouTube channel, Florida Travel Fanatics, and our website at floridatravelfanatics.com. Feel free to contact us via Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or email us at contact at floridatravelfanatics.com. Uh, you can also join our private Facebook group. Do us a favor, leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. And well, as usual, put all our social media uh, information in the episode notes. And thanks for listening.
1: Sunny days ahead.